The first reading is found in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1, and beginning at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed, because I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. What you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. The Gospel reading is found in the book of Luke, chapter 17, and I'm going to begin at verse 3. If your brother sins... Rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. The apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. He replied, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Would he not rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, 
when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks to you, O Lord. There's no use trying, she said. One can't believe impossible things. I dare say you haven't had much practice, said the Queen. When I was your age, I always did it for half an hour a day. Why sometimes I've believed as many as six impossible things before breakfast. I wonder whether you feel a slight resonance with that thought as you heard the gospel read this morning. Alice through the looking glass and mulberry trees being planted in the sea. Or perhaps it should be a deep-rooted sycamore tree planted in the water having been uprooted from dry land. Is this an impossible thing we have to believe before coffee and croissant at eight o'clock in the morning? Or maybe as you pondered Michaelmas this week, if you did, were you wondering where God's angels have been this week in all the events of daily life? Maybe as the apostles echoed you have echoed the phrase, Lord, increase our faith. A kind of prayer for help facing challenges. But the apostles' outburst, increase our faith, is not one perhaps from frustration, but rather reflects that they have a glimpse of how life is seen through Jesus Christ. Remember that in this section of St. Luke's Gospel, From chapter 9 to chapter 19, we have Jesus going up to Jerusalem. So in a sense, everything is under the shadow of what's happening at the destination of Jesus' journey. To the cross, to die for our salvation, and to rise again from the dead. And so for us, we would say the shadow of death is cast over life In many ways, the shadow of mortality falls on our lives in different ways. In the gospel and in this reading, the shadow of Jesus' death falls over life and becomes the light of resurrection life that makes us see life as we know it in a different way. And through faith, this can make all the difference. So try it out with the bits of the scripture either side of that phrase about increase our faith. God has completely forgiven us in Christ, we believe, as we come to communion. It's a wonderful gift to put our heads on our pillows at night and know that we are forgiven. In the light of that then, verse 4 asks us impossibly to go on forgiving others time after time when they let us down, rather like time after time we can let God down. 
Wow, increase our faith, Lord. Or the bit following the reading, in Christ we believe God has become our servant, giving himself for our salvation. No wonder then he sets for us the seemingly impossible standard of going out into the fields all day, laboring all day, coming in, then making the meal, then doing the washing up, and only then getting your tea. Serving, doing what you're told, as being a basic discipline of Christian living in response to the life-giving service of God in Christ. Lord, increase our faith, we might say. It's a glimpse of a different world, a different way of seeing life. Like peeping through a tiny keyhole in a black door and through that keyhole seeing a sunlit panorama, a beautiful scene, maybe a Northumbrian scene, Sarah. Something beautiful. But you don't see it except by bending down and peering through that keyhole of faith. Something tiny, but the object which is seen is great. And so likewise, a little faith in a big object, a big person, a big Jesus, can change how we see things. So let's use that idea as a way of revisiting the epistle, 2 Timothy chapter 1, where we begin with Paul in prison. Verse 1, he says, I'm an apostle of Christ. And verse 8, he says, I'm a prisoner for the Lord. But the darkness of that Roman prison is not what characterizes this amazing letter. There's a mood and a message about faith in this first chapter of 2 Timothy. A mood of gratitude, a mood of confidence. Let's look at the word gratitude first. Gratitude for the past. Paul reflects on the faith which he sees in Timothy, which first appeared through his family, through his grandmother, through his mother. And now, Timothy, I see it in you. Thank God for that wonderful faith and its family origins. A faith also, of course, nurtured by friendship with St. Paul and a faith nurtured by the charismatic endowment which verse 6 describes, God's special personal gift given to Timothy through the laying on of Paul's hands. So there's gratitude here for all that lies behind. And there's an exhortation that comes with it, verse 6a. That gift of faith, fan it into flame. Don't let it die down. It's a gift. It's precious. It's small. It's like a grain of mustard seed to take the gospel. But to mix metaphors terribly, let your mustard seed of faith burst into flame nurture it fan it into flame it's a small gift but it can bring great life and light so gratitude for the past but also confidence for what lies ahead 
confidence in the object of faith rather than its size. Verse 12, I know whom I have believed. It's a wonderful phrase that uh, we heard read to us. I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. There's confidence and hope for the future. And the exhortation that goes with that, therefore, in verse 8 and verse 12, do not be ashamed of the gospel. Do not be ashamed of Jesus. Do not be ashamed of me in prison, Timothy, says Paul, because I'm not ashamed. I know whom I have believed. I know he's trustworthy. So the message that gives this grateful and confident mood is found in verses 9 and 10. In Christ Jesus has been revealed a saviour who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Or that little pregnant phrase in verse 1 in the introduction to the letter, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. It's a tiny phrase that bears pondering the promise of life in Christ Jesus. The living God brings life. His promise is trustworthy and faith trusts this life-giving promise and this life-giving Jesus Christ, reminding you that it was into this name and into this new life that you were baptized. That is who you are, people of life who benefit from that promise. So these are the resources of faith that help us through communion for Monday morning as we bring our experience of life together with our experience of God. And maybe as we peer through the tiny keyhole of faith, we may see white-helmeted angels working as doctors in Aleppo, using mobile phones for light, guided on Skype by trauma specialists in the UK. Maybe as we say farewell to Sarah, we share gratitude for her faith and confidence for her for the future as she goes forward with this God as the one in whom she trusts. And maybe as we say to her, we say to each other, fan that endowment from God which you have. Fan it into flame. May faith increase. Faith in the promise of the living God who in Christ walked for us to Jerusalem. To quote Bishop Stephen in his sermon earlier this, uh, last week, Lord bless us that we may be a blessing to others. Or to quote the apostles, Lord increase our faith. Or to quote in the light of our collect about the Holy Spirit helping us to quote from verse 7 of our reading in the epistle. God did not give us a spirit of timidity but a spirit of power and of love 
and of self-discipline. Lord, increase our faith. Amen.